I have lowered the prices. What more can I do? Do you know someone who loves old-time radio, classic TV, or movies? Plan ahead before this deal is gone. Go to oldtimeradiodvd.com. Place your order today. Now that's oldtimeradiodvd.com. You'll be glad you did. Ah, Mr. Holmes. I was hoping I'd find you here working in the library. My dear Tebbit, I know you are a tutor and lecturer at this college, but you must understand I am an extremely busy man. I realize that, but a very awkward and delicate incident has occurred here at Maudlin. By chance, you are here, and I must turn to you for help. I'm sorry, I cannot be disturbed. If there is any trouble, I should prefer it if you would call in the police. The, the police? Oh, oh no. No, that, that would cause a terrible scandal at all costs. Maudlin must avoid a scandal. I beg of you, Mr. Holmes, help us. For the sake of the college, help us, please. We present... The Stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, a hollow victory. It was in the year 1892 that Sherlock Holmes and I spent some weeks at one of the great university towns. We were residing at the time in furnished lodgings close to a library, where Holmes was engaged upon researches into early English charters. It was whilst he was busy with his research that Frank Tebbit, one of the lecturers at Magdalen College, burst in upon him. A gaunt man of excitable character, he was even more agitated than usual. I must explain, Mr. Holmes, that tomorrow is the first day of the examination for the Hamilton Scholarship. I am one of the examiners. Today, at about three o'clock, the proofs of the examination paper arrived from the printers. I read it carefully, as the text must be quite correct, a large part of it being passages in Greek to be translated. There must be no printer's errors, you see. Mm, quite so. At 4.30 p.m., I left as I had an appointment to take tea in a friend's room. I left the proofs on my desk. I was away for little more than an hour. As you know, our college doors are double. The green bays one within and the heavy oak without. As I approached my outer door, I was amazed to find a key in the lock. But it was not my key. I knew I had not been so careless. My key was still in my pocket. Nevertheless, there must have been a duplicate. Who carries it? Oh, my servant, Jackson, who's been with me for ten years. His honesty is above suspicion. Have you questioned him? Yes. I met him in the corridor and discovered that the key was indeed his. He had come to my room to ask if I wanted to take tea, and he had very carelessly left his key in the door when he had left a few minutes later. Of course, in ordinary circumstances, it would not have mattered. And what are the examination papers on your desk? Oh, the moment I looked at the table, I knew that someone had been in there. The proofs were in three long slips. I'd left them all together. Now I found one on the table, one on the side table near the window, and the third upon the floor. Uh, tell me, Tebbit, is the scholarship a valuable one? Very. There is a lot to be gained by getting it, including money. Jackson entered the room with you. Uh, what was his reaction to all of this? He nearly collapsed. I had to seat him in a chair and give him brandy. 
He was so upset to realize he'd been the cause of such an outrage. Did you examine the room? Yes. While Jackson was recovering, I tried to be thorough. I found evidence of a broken pencil, the tip of some lead near the paper on the table. Ah, excellent. Continue. Then a definite cut, oh, about three inches long, in the red leather surface of my new writing desk. Both Jackson and I assured it wasn't there before. Ah. No, that is not all. I found a small ball of clay with specks of sawdust on it. I am convinced that these are clues left by the man who entered my room. Mm, very interesting. Yes, well, of course, I see your dilemma. If the culprit is not found, then the examination will have to be postponed until fresh papers are prepared. That would call for an explanation and could create a scandal that would naturally reflect upon you, the college, and indeed the whole university. That is it exactly, Mr. Holmes. Please help me to settle this matter quietly and discreetly. Mm. Uh, very well, I will look into it. Oh. Thank you, thank you. Uh, now, now, before you go to your rooms, just a few questions. Yes? Have you had any visitors in your rooms since the papers arrived? Only one, I think. Uh, Raoul Sabra, a foreign student. He lives in the block. He came to ask certain questions regarding the examination. Is he one of the entrants, then? Yes. And the papers were on your table while he was present? If I remember correctly, they were rolled up. Well, nevertheless, he might have recognized them as printer's proofs. Mm, possible, though unlikely. No one knew they were there, not even Jackson. Where is Jackson now? I left him recovering in the chair in my room. I hurried straight to you. Well, then he's a monster this. Either this student, Shabra, recognized the papers and is the guilty party, or whoever tampered with them came upon them by accident. So it seems to me. Yes, well, we'd better go over there. Would you care to come along, Watson? I'd remain silent throughout this interview... I was useful to Holmes when there were medical matters that needed attention, but this was purely academic. However, not wanting to appear uninterested, I agreed to walk over to Mortland with them. It was nearly dusk when we reached Tebbett's rooms. He was on the ground floor, and above him, he explained, lived three students. Holmes stopped and, standing on tiptoe, peered in through Tebbett's window. Oh, no use considering this as a method of entry, Mr. Holmes. There's no opening in the window except that one pane high up. Uh, well, if there's nothing to be learned out here, we might as well go inside. Uh, this way. We entered the building, Chebet leading the way. Chebet let himself in with his own key and bade us welcome. Holmes set to work making a thorough investigation of the carpet. Mm, there's nothing here. The day's too dry for footmarks. Uh, Jackson has recovered, I see. Uh, which chair did you leave him in? Oh, uh, there, by the window. I see, near this small table. Yes, I imagine what happened is that the man entered through the door, took the papers to the window so that he could see you if you crossed the courtyard so you could make a quick escape. Uh, as a matter of fact, that would not have helped him. I returned by the side door. Ah, interesting. Well, that's what he must have had in his mind anyway. Now, let's see the printer's three pages. Yeah, and here you are. Oh, there's no fingerprints that are visible anyway. Oh, so many people could have handled these. How long would it take to copy one of these using every possible method of contraction? Oh, allowing for careful study and taking pertinent notes, I should say a quarter of an hour. Ah. And placing it on the table... 
He studied the next paper. He was still doing this when you returned unexpectedly. Yes, he could not have seen you cross the courtyard, but something disturbed him. He'd not planned to replace the papers. Ah, yes, this... This is the lead of the pencil. Yes, I have not touched anything, I assure you. Good. Yes, an unusual type of lead. Not often used in ordinary pencils. Ah, valuable. This is a small black pellet. Yes, I need to study this through my lens. Ah, yes. Yes, and here is the cut in the red leather top. Yes, it's quite a tear. Well, this gets more and more fascinating. Uh, where does that door lead to? Uh, to my bedroom. Have you been in there since discovering all of this? No, I came straight to you. Take a look, if you wish. Allow oh, me. Thank you. Ah, what a charming room. I don't wish to pry, but I presume this large wardrobe is where you keep most of your clothes. Uh, may I? Yes. Large and convenient. Well, now, there seems to be... Ah, what have we here on the floor next to the shoe rack? Ah, it's a similar piece of clay. Formed into a pyramid shape. Identical to the one by your table. Now, isn't that extraordinary? Yes, sir. Let me see that. Ah, yes. Yes, you're right. What does it mean, Mr. Holmes? I don't know. It seems that your visitor had access to your bedroom as well as to the sitting room, Mr. Tebbit. That does not make sense. Surely anyone wanting to take notes from my papers would be familiar with the layout of these rooms. Whoever it was could not have fled into the bedroom by mistake. But then he must have done so intentionally in order to hide... Do you mean that, that he might have been hiding in here when Jackson and I came back? Very likely. In which case, you would only to close this door and you have had him a prisoner. But first things first. It's necessary, I think, that I meet your servant, Jackson. Uh, can that be arranged? Excuse me, sir. No, Jackson. Just the man we wish to see. Uh, I came back to see uh, if there had been any new developments, sir. Uh, no, but this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson who are investigating. Uh, please answer any questions as clearly as you can. Of course, sir. I understand all this happened because you left your key in the outside door. How extraordinary that you should do so on this one important occasion. It's something I can't explain. I, I missed the key and realized what I must have done. I, I had a tea tray in my hand at the time, you see. I, I couldn't believe my carelessness. I hurried back but met Mr. Tebbit in the corridor. And when we entered together, I saw the worst had happened and... Someone had been in the rooms. I tried to be helpful, but the shock was too much. I felt ill, near to fainting. Where were you when you started to feel ill? Uh, by the door. Yet you collapsed in this chair by the window. Odd. I, I don't think Jackson knew what he was doing. We were both shocked. It, it was minutes before either of us could think straight. Mm. Yes, well, that will be all for the moment, Jackson. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Tevitt. Ring if you need me again, won't you, sir? I'm... I'm most dreadfully sorry. Mm. I'd like the names of the three students you say live about these rooms. Who are they? Uh, one of them is the foreign student I told you about, uh, Raul Shabra. He is quiet, uh, keeps himself to himself. Uh, his work is good, although I would say his Greek is his weakest subject. Uh, then there is Forbes, a fine scholar and athlete. Well, perhaps too keen on sport, but a fine young man. His father was the notorious Sir Stafford Forbes, who ruined himself gambling. The son is poor, but should do well. I see. I'm a third. Harland McBride. Brilliant. One of the brightest intellects of the college. 
but wayward and unprincipled. I know what your next question will be. Which of the three do I suspect? Oh, I can't answer that. I'm glad, because I wasn't going to ask you anyway. But I was about to suggest a quick stroll outside in the courtyard before it becomes too dark. Shall we go? Holmes led us out of Chabot's rooms and back to the courtyard. It was not quite dark. Three yellow squares of light shone above us. The three students were spending the night before the exams in their rooms. Shadows moved across the blinds of one room. Israel Shabra pacing the floor. An occasional movement came from Forbes's quarters. From the third window, there was a bright light, but no sign of activity. Holmes suggested that we make some excuse and call on each in turn. Kevitt thought it could be arranged and led us up the ancient staircase. At Raoul Shabra's rooms, we were welcomed uh, a trifle coldly. Please to come in, Mr. Tibbet. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but these are friends of mine who are looking over the college. Uh, this is Mr. Holmes and uh, Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do? I am pleased to meet any friends of my tutor. Oh, thank you. I'm interested in the internal design of these buildings. They're very well appointed, are they not? I find it very comfortable here. Please do look around. Oh, I am pleased to see that you're not doing any last-minute studying, Shabra. <laughs> that shows confidence. I do not feel confident. I am greatly worried. I am very nervous. I am lost to know how to spend this last night before the examination. Ah, you have an examination tomorrow. I'm so sorry. Uh, we did not know. Uh, shall we move on, Tebbit? Uh, good luck tomorrow. Good night. Uh, good night. Good night. Good night. I notice that Holmes' eyes have been darting about all over the room, especially at the large desk by the window. Raoul Chabra seemed a mystery. Courteous and well-dressed, he could have been thinking anything as he bowed us from his rooms. We went up another floor, and this time called upon Julian Forbes. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson. How do you do? Come do. Make yourselves at home. I'm afraid I have nothing to offer you in the way of a drink. Oh, that's quite all right. We're just making a brief tour of the college. If we accepted everyone's hospitality, we'd be here all night. However, it is very pleasant to meet you. I understand you have an important examination tomorrow. And may I wish you the very best of luck. Oh, thank you. I hope I will do well. I have worked hard for it. I'm oh, glad to see you're so relaxed, Julian. Get an early night and do well. Oh, I shall try. Thank you for your good wishes. Good night. Good, good night. night. Good night. Again, I was aware of the intense scrutiny Holmes had given the room and its occupant. We followed Tebbit up further stairs to the rooms of the third student. This time, our reception was far from cordial. Who is it? Your tutor, Tebbit. Oh, go away. I beg your pardon. I have friends here who wish to meet you. Well, I don't want to meet them. Tomorrow is the exam and I have swatting to do. I won't be disturbed by anyone. Is that clear? Go away. <coughs> I rather agree we're not wanted, Tebbit. I, I really must apologize at all. He has the right to sport his oak on an occasion such as this. I want to know one thing about Harlan McBride. And what is that? How tall is he? I beg your pardon? Is he under six feet? Is he taller than I am? Uh, no. No, no, not at all. Much shorter. Uh, well built, but shorter. Thank you. That's all I wanted to know. And now, Mr. Tebbit, I wish you good night. But, Mr. Holmes, surely you're not going to leave me in this abrupt fashion. I must have some definite action. I cannot allow the examination to proceed tomorrow if one of the papers has been tampered with. You must leave it as it is. 
I shall drop round early tomorrow morning. I shall tell you my views then. Meanwhile, leave everything as it is, understand? Do not change a thing. Holmes remained quiet as we made our way back to our lodgings. He said goodnight shortly after dinner and did no more work on his studies. At eight in the morning, he came to my room and was quite his old self again. Quite changed from the preoccupied person of the night before. Hmm. Oh, good morning, Watson. Lovely morning. Come, Simon went to see Mr. Tebbit. Uh, can you do without breakfast? Oh, certainly. Tebbit would be in a terrible state until we tell him something positive. But, uh, have you anything positive to tell him? Oh, yes, my dear Watson. I've solved the case. But, well, how could you have done? What possible fresh evidence could you have got since last night? This. It's not for nothing that I got up at half past five this morning. I put in two solid hours of work and covered over five miles. And I have something to show for it. There it is. Hmm. Three small pieces of black clay, almost identical. But Holmes, Holmes, yesterday, there were only two. Quite. Now, this one I discovered this morning, and the three of them will solve the whole mystery. Come, Watson, let's go and put Tebbit out of his misery, shall we? The unfortunate tutor was certainly in a state of great agitation. In a few hours, the examinations would commence. He appealed to Holmes immediately. Heavens, you can't, Mr. Holmes. What am I to do? Shall the examination proceed? Oh, yes, let it proceed by all means. Yeah, but the culprit... He will not sit the examination. How can you say that? Does it, does it mean that you know who it is? I think so. And if this matter is not to become public, then we must pass judgment upon this ourselves. And so, in this private court-martial, so to speak, we shall take up official positions. Uh, Watson, will you stand there? Oh, uh, very well. There, and ring the bell, please. But that will bring Jackson. Exactly. Very well. I say, Holmes, can't you tell us a little more? I mean, uh, what do we have to do? Just you stand there and glare, Watson. Fiddle with your moustache and frighten the life out of anyone who comes through that door. Ah, here's the first person. Come in, Jackson. Yeah, do as Mr. Holmes requests, Jackson. Uh, yes, sir. Now, Tebbit, uh, would you leave us for a little while? Please go down and bring Mr. Forbes down to us. But I don't understand. I mean, what... Uh, do as I say, please. Very well, but I must confess that I do not understand this. It is lamentable, lamentable. Now, Jackson, would you please tell us the truth about yesterday's incident? I have told you everything, sir. You have nothing to add? No, sir. Then I will make a suggestion. When you came in here yesterday, and you appeared to be considerably shocked, you sat down upon that chair. The reason was to conceal something, was it not? No, no, of course not. I think you answered that a little too quickly. I wonder why. You know who was in this room yesterday, don't you, Jackson? No, sir, no. It is a pity you feel that you have to lie. Stay with us, but stand over there by the bedroom door and wait. Ah, yes, I think the time has come. Oh, it is lucky that I found you. I think you must have been coming to see me. Yes, yes, I was. It's very important, you see, sir. Uh, come in, come in. Close the door. Yes. Now, Mr. Forbes, we are alone here. We can be perfectly frank with each other. We want to know why an honourable man such as yourself ever stooped to become the cheat you were yesterday. What? What? Jackson, how, how, how could you... Oh, it wasn't me, sir. Mr. Forbes, I, I never said a word. Ah, but you have now. Forbes, your only chance lies in a frank confession. I... I, I don't know where to begin. How can I tell anyone? Then let me tell the story and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Now, Tebbit told me that no one, not even Jackson, knew the papers were in this room. 
It was extremely unlikely that Rao Shabra could tell what the papers even looked like when he came in here. After all, they were rolled up. The chances of someone coming in here by accident and finding them would be too remote. Obviously, someone saw into the room from outside. Oh, I see. Forbes had been training that afternoon. He had his running shoes with him, the traditional kind, spikes on the soles. When he passed the window, he saw that you had been working on the exam paper. As he passed the door on the way to his room, he noticed that the key was in the lock. The temptation was too much. He let himself in and saw the situation at a glance. He placed his running shoes on the table and placed something, gloves perhaps, on the chair whilst he hurriedly made notes. Correct, Forbes? Yes. Thinking you, Kevitt, would return across the courtyard, he stayed by the window to watch. But you didn't. You came by the side entrance and he was caught. There was no escape. He grabbed for his shoes and made a tear in the red leather. Darting across to the bedroom, he forgot his gloves on the chair. Some of the black clay from around the spikes of his running shoes dropped off. One piece was left here, another in the bedroom cupboard where he hid himself. That third piece I collected from the pitch where he trained yesterday. Correct so far, Forbes? Yes, it's exact as you've explained. Is, is that all you can say for yourself after such infamous conduct? I'm sorry. And to prove it, I, I have here a letter which I wrote last night. I, I couldn't sleep couldn't live with what I'd done. In the letter, I say I'm withdrawing from the examination. I'm ashamed. Well, I am relieved to know you have recovered your self-respect. By the change of heart force. Jackson. He persuaded me. Mm. Well, Jackson, can you clear up the last point in me, in this mystery for me? What was your interest in all of this? It's simple enough, Mr. Holmes. I was at one time butler to Sir Stafford Forbes, this young man's father. When he was ruined, I came here to work for Mr. Tebbett. I never forgot my old employer and made it my job to watch over his son. That's why I pretended to collapse when I sat in the chair in order to conceal the gloves. When Mr. Tebbett left to seek your help, I aided Mr. Forbes to escape. What else could I do? My loyalties, I... I didn't approve, of course, and I persuaded him to do the right thing. I'm sorry, but... Well, can you blame me, Mr... There was silence in those rooms at Morton College. Forbes looked down at the floor. Chebbett stared out of the window. And Jackson slowly left the room. Holmes said, Well, Watson... I think that clears up the matter. Breakfast awaits us. Goodbye, Forbes. You have fallen low. In the future, see how high you can rise. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.